Okay, so basically the latest chapter for One Piece has recently come out and there is so much to discuss because I will have to say this chapter has so many hints of clues that are just blasting at the next page after the next. It is insane. I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am of what else is to come for the Wano arc. It is mind-blowing. Hey guys, this is Jade from the Nerdfix, the podcast where we talk about everyone and everything, anime, manga, video games, and everything under the sun. Today, we are going to be talking about the latest chapter of One Piece, which is titled Nobody's Important. But for anybody who is listening, I suggest you wait until the official chapter has been released. But for everybody else who is listening, I suggest you keep on listening ahead. So sit back, relax, and get ready for your fix. which starts with the second part of a three-part poster featuring the 50 highest-ranking characters worldwide, ranging from Luffy all the way down to characters such as the Flamingo, the Gakamoria, Sabo, Beji, and Rayleigh. There's even characters like Kid, and Killer, Zoro, Nami, Robin, and most importantly, our main protagonist, Luffy. So now, let's get on with the chapter. We start on the second floor, where several Beast Pirates are watching their allies collapsing one by one. And this, would, of course, was the result of Conqueror's Hockey. According to Usopp, who labeled himself as Usohachi the sibling hunter, while, ri- while riding the grifter with the crocodile for a head, the Hockey came from himself as he called himself the man who had defeated two members of the Toby Robo, knowing Usopp, who's basically a man who comes up with so many lies just to make himself look like a bigger man. But I find it kind of funny that many of these lies that he's always told, some majority of them have always come true. But something like this, I highly doubt that he would actually obtain that, even though he's part of the weakening squad. So, eh. I mean, dreamers dream big, I guess? Well, with that, the Beast Pirates react in fear as he tells them to join him. But in the distance, Speed tells Tama that this came from Big Mom, as the Conqueror's Hockey knocked out the pirates unconscious, knowing that it reaches far. So with Conqueror's Hockey, even though with it being such a rare kind of ability, the rarest kind of hockey that one out of several million people can obtain, it can reach several distances, just depending on how far a person, how strong a person's will is, it's just so powerful. You have no idea how far a person's hockey is going to go. It just depends on the person's strength and also how deadly that person can be. We then panned to Nami trying to get in contact with Robin, asking for a status update on Luffy. Her reply is that he only knows what Monosuke said earlier. Nami is saying that it should be with Shinobu, even though she cannot reach her. But frankly, Frankie said that if there's no update, then it means things are fine. It informs her that there are several pirates trying to swarm the life floor, where Zoro and Sanji are currently battling King and Queen, and must and they have to stop it before it happens. Hard pirates, including Beppo, Sanji, and Penguin, agreed to help in assisting the fight. We then pan to the third floor, where a fire started by a Black Maria goes out of control as Brock carries Brooke carries a sleeping Robin in his arms. 
And on the fourth floor, Jim Bay is informed of Brooke's situation and begins to wonder who's holding who's holding up Kaido during this whole thing, as everything is going AWOL on certain parts of the floor in you know Nagashima. So now we pan to the top of the skull dome where Yamato attacks Kaido with Narika Bora, but it doesn't do anything to him, but hits her back with Kon Kongo Kabura and blocks with blocks her with a rock. As Yamato goes back up, she reveals that Kaido has been trying to kill her. With Kaido responding that if Yamato is going to take on the name of Odin, she should be prepared for war. But with that, Kaido rebuttal, she asks if it is wrong to admire someone and declares that she loves Odin. And she paints back to her times of her childhood. This is where things get really interesting, so buckle up. We pan back to 20 years ago, where Yamato was 8 years old, and at the time she was labeled the Oni Princess by the Beast Pirates. It was chained, it was chained to a gate as she continuously called herself Odin, and demanded that Ka Kaido, her father, release her. And he asked if she had knocked out everyone around her unconscious. But she adamantly denies this, saying that they just fell over. And Kaido, seeing this, says that she has conquerors hockey as well. And he tells her that if she keeps calling herself Odin, she will die, and he had to move her to a cave for a month until she sees reason. I mean, not the best sound parenting advice that you can to a bunch of child, but eh, I mean, everybody's different, I guess? Yamato becomes fearful for her life since being in a cave filled with powerful samurai. Kaido is tried to force to join his group. He throws in some food and many other sorts as they were trying to fight over, this, over as he leaves. Doing so, Yamato begs Kaido not to leave her in the cave, believing the samurai will kill her for being, for being his child. Kaido, however, Reminds Yamato of her declaration of being Odin as he seals the cave. And this is really kind of sad for her that just because she declared herself as Odin, he basically threw her in a cave and said, Nope, if you're going to be calling yourself Odin, I'm going to have to throw you in a cave. So uh, you're with these powerful samurai and We then see a samurai take the samurai take up her weapons and begin she becomes fearful that they will kill her out of hatred for Kaido. But out of her surprise, they give her the food and tell her to eat, and she gratefully does. After she finishes, she asks if she can become a samurai, prompting being the one who gave her the food to cut her chains. That same samurai then tells her that everyone in the cave adored Odin, and they heard her declare preparation as him. And as Samurai requests, he be called nobody important. At that moment, he showed she shows him Odin's journal and says that she's been having trouble reading it. And everyone proceeds to read it as Yamato is left amazed by Odin's tales. As ten days go by, the samurai tell Yamato that at this rate they may not be able to see back battle that Odin predicted would happen in 20 years. And she will fight and the Yamato declares she will fight for Wano on that day. The samurai decided to break out and fight immediately to make sure Yamato doesn't die 
in this cave in the cave like I don't want and there's a little thing that kind of made me curious about the samurai that helped them now there's so many people that are saying that the member of the samurai that helped Ayamato is a member of the Shimotsuki family. The Shimotsuki family that many people don't know is a renowned and formerly powerful family that resisted that resided in Wano. And also for those people that don't know, my assumption is this. One of the members of the Shimotsuki clan was a descendant is a the father of Zoro. Now, now, hear me out. Hear me out. The character who gave Yamato the bowl of rice, he kind of he kind of does look like Zoro, and he, even though his hair looks different, I mean, the facial expression kind of looks the same. Not to mention, the clan is also named after a village that's in the East Blue where Zoro grew up. So, kind of makes me think. You think maybe Zoro might be a direct descendant of the Shimotsuki clan or is a member of the clan? If that's so, maybe that would be interesting because it would also be a thing where Zoro is a direct descendant of Rayama. Because that would also be interesting too. But we probably won't know until probably later on throughout, throughout this series or later on in the Wano arc. Anyways, continuing on with the chapter, we then pan back to the present time where Yamato, who is furious, asks Kaido why he stole her and Wano's freedom. And he said, life does not have simple questions and answers. And with that, it really is a kind of a chilling kind of answer where life doesn't have simple questions and answers, which really is a chilling kind of an answer to give to somebody. I mean, certain things don't have an easy question or answer for certain things, so I gotta get a reason for that. But the two of them then perform a Reime Hake and release a clash of Conqueror's Hake that Kaido is forced to acknowledge, saying that this is a true battle between the two. And this is the end of the chapter. Did you like the chapter? Did you not like the chapter? I honestly think that this was a really interesting chapter because it showed a lot of bits and clues of what's to come for the next chapter and not to mention what's to come for what is to be expected about more on Yamato because Yamato is basically starting to open up a little bit more of the character as we learn a little bit more about her in the beginning, we didn't know who she was or what her purpose was. But as we begin to know more and more about her, about her past, about her upbringing, and about her powers, everything, we begin to root more and more for her and about what she is fighting for. Let me guys know what you think about this chapter and what's to come for chapter 1025, because I'm really excited to see what's to come. Thank you all so much for listening towards the end. And the end of the episode, whether or not you believe in the Turbiner or not, the leveling makes you, you, and stay awesome. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you all on Wednesday for a brand new episode. Later!
Yeah.